Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Well, Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this morning, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord, that we've been singing about, Lord, that all things are possible. And Lord God, we just declare our love for you this morning, Lord. And we just declare our desire for you this morning, Lord. And Lord God, we do delight in you, Lord. Oh, how we love you, Lord. And we ask you right now to come and have your way, Lord. Have your way in our lives, Lord. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. Come, have your way, Lord. Speak through Pastor Paul, Lord. Let the word of the Lord be in his mouth, Lord. And give us ears to hear it and hearts to receive it, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we submit ourselves to you, Lord. Come and have your way, Lord. God bless you for being here. You glad to be here? Say it again. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Let's give the fathers a round of applause real quick. Hallelujah. That was better than first service, but not a lot better. Amen. You should. It's good to be a father. It's good to be a father. Amen. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I don't believe there is any greater responsibility than being a father. How important it is that we fathers do our jobs. We want to be real hard on ourselves. I believe the reason our nation is in the state our nation's in is because the fathers aren't doing their jobs. God will bless the fathers when they line up with him. It says that, uh, that it says in Psalm in the Psalms that when the, when we get unified and when we get lined up with God, that the anointing is poured over the head and down over Aaron's bit, uh, Aaron's, uh, beard and how that is a line of authority. And when we're outside of authority, when the fathers give up their authority, we get out of line and the, the anointing can't get to where it's supposed to go. We wonder why our nation's out of whack. It's because our anointing's dripping over here and landing on the ground. It's not landing down on the flow of that's supposed to go down over our whole body comes from jesus comes down over the dads and then over the moms and then over the kids and do you hear me and when we get that messed up we need kingdom alignment and fathers let me encourage you i I, i've preached a pretty hard message every father's day it's not going to be today you're going to leave here feeling pretty good maybe when does that ever happen maybe maybe this year thank you (laughs) yeah uh, anyway, bless you for being here. I've got one quick announcement. I, my mother, I want to introduce my mother real quick. My mom is Sarah Ramsey, and I believe that most of you, if you've been in this church very long, have been impacted by my mother. If you haven't been, just stick around a little bit longer. I promise you, she will eventually call you or hunt you down or come talk to you, come find you. It's like God will come and find you and overtake you. The blessings will find you and overtake you. That's My mother has a little bit of that characteristic. But she has blessed many in this church, and she has, uh, she has um, over the last few years, been writing a book. And praise God, a publisher has picked her up, and it's gotten published. And I want to give her just a moment to share with this book that she has to offer now. Would you all please welcome Sarah Ramsey? Well, this uh, little book uh, just shows that all things are possible. I'm 66, and, and I've never written anything, but now I'm an author. So uh, go for it. That's what I say for you. 
Um, well, several years ago, I was teaching the Pentateuch at Community Bible Study, and uh, a verse, the verse in Exodus 25, 21, and 22, the light bulb came on for me, and as Brother Bob would say, the aha went off there. And Exodus 25, 21, and 22 says, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and there I will meet with you and speak with you. And when I read that, I thought, where is the mercy seat, and how do I get there? Because I wanted God to meet with me and to speak with me. Now, I'd been a Christian since I was eight years old, and I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit since I was 28 years old. And here I was in my 50s, not knowing where is the mercy seat. I knew there was a mercy seat, and I'd just come boldly running to it. But as far as having any understanding, I had no understanding. You know, Proverbs says, with all your wisdom, get understanding. And as a child, when we come to the Lord, we don't understand a lot about our salvation. But as we come along, we understand more. And as we understand more, it becomes fuller and, and becomes more impacting in our, uh, in our lives. Well, as I began this search for the mercy seat, uh, wanting to meet with the Lord and speak with Him, the Lord uh, began to unveil to me the pattern of the tabernacle of Moses. And the tabernacle of Moses is a pattern that shows the way into the Holy of Holies, into the, where the mercy seat is, into the secret place of, of the Most High God. Most of us know there is a secret place in Psalm 91, but we don't know how to get there, much less how to abide there or take somebody else there. Well, are we there yet is, is a journey that takes us step by step into the Holy of Holies. There is a way into the holy, holiest, Derek Prince said, and it affected his life and it's affected mine. And I believe the pattern of the tabernacle of Moses shows us the way. Now, many of us have found the way without following the pattern because God's such a gracious God. And you don't have to follow the pattern to come into the holy of holies, but there is a pattern and there is a way. And God has made all the provision. Uh, he cleanses us in the outer court. He fills us up in the holy place. And we can come boldly into his presence with no sin because Jesus' blood blots out the sin and gives us access to the Father. Happy Father's Day, Father God. We love you, Father God. Thank you for the access into the holiest Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Lord, and we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that shows us the way into the holiest. And we found the way into, the, into God's presence because Jesus tore the veil away and we can come boldly now into his presence by the blood of Jesus. And that's what this book is about. So, there. <laughs> She'll be out back when service is over, $15. Go get it. Go get it. Support what's happening in our church. You want a pathway into the presence of God? And let me tell you, this is, this is, this is good. And uh, it's not just because it's my mama. But it is because it's my mama too. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
um, she was talking about a pattern and how um, in the tabernacle of Moses, um, God gave instructions on how everything needed to be set. In fact, to the point that said the type of cloth to use or the type of um, thread, so detailed. And when things were put exactly in place, not one moment too soon, but when everything was exactly in place, the glory of God came. We see that in the New Testament when Jesus came, that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and that he had a purpose to to do, to to raise up the disciples, to teach them how to operate under his power, to die for our sins on the cross, to arise again and to leave. And it wasn't until all of that was established until the Holy Spirit was poured out on the earth. Do you see that God is a God of order? Well, I want to encourage you for just a minute. Um, Last week... Those of you that were here last week, we had just an unbelievable church service. And I I believe it is due to a few things, and it's not to contain only these few things. But in first service, Pastor Zach was going through his song list, and, you know, to be honest with you, I wasn't exactly where I was supposed to be. I wouldn't say I was thinking of bad things necessarily. I just wasn't completely focused in on God. How many knows you come in here to worship, and sometimes you're, you're not here. You're thinking about everything else that's going on, every problem that you'd ever had, any, anything that could distract you. And I wouldn't say I was necessarily being distracted, but I wasn't focused on worship. And we got to our third song, and you may not remember it, but I've played this over and over in my mind many, many times. When God moves, I try to, I try to figure him out. That's not always the best thing to do. But I do think he wants to be figured out. Why did he give us his word? So we could understand him. So I've spent time. So we're in the middle of Mighty to Save. Love the song. And the song ended and you erupted. Not anything that Pastor Zach was, he wasn't encouraging you. He wasn't trying to bring you on like a good worship leader will do. It it just happened. The funny thing is the exact same thing happened in first service. Now you'd think you do four songs, the same reactions aren't going to happen. Never does that ever happen. But it happened in first service. And, and you know, I will say to Zach's credit, as a worship leader, sometimes you don't know what's going on in the congregation. You got every, you got every hole on your head plugged in, and you got everything else going on up here, and you can sometimes not get a good feel. You've got your feel of what you're doing up here, and you miss it out there. And he went on and went and did a, a different song and kept on going. And he and I met after service. And I said, in the congregation, this is what was happening. Something was wanting to be released. What happened in second service, I believe, wanted to happen in first service. I could feel this eruption happening. And, you know, there was probably, I don't know, two-thirds of what was in second service. You know, first service is lower than second service. But it sounded like a full auditorium when they started erupting in worship. I believe it was spiritual. I believe there were, I believe I was hearing more than just our group. I don't want to get weird on you, but why not? So I'm hearing this eruption, and I said to Zach, I said, Zach, second service, if this happens, and I told him, this probably won't even happen. But if it does, let's try this. Let's get out of the way, and let's just wait. What the description I gave him was, let's let the wave run all the way out. Let's not get in a hurry. Many times in an exciting time, you want to jump on top of the wave. When people are shouting and we're doing trading my sorrows and we're shouting and hollering and everybody's dancing and hooping around, we want to keep that energy up. 
sometimes to a fault. But this time I just said to Pastor Zach, I said, Zach, let's let the wave run all the way out and just see where it goes. Let's open the door so that God can move. Not that he was closing the door. If you hear me, I told him, I said, you did fine. This may do nothing, but let's try this. So sure enough, the same song, here it comes again. And Pastor Zach did exactly what I'd asked. We let the wave run all the way out. It got silent, and he moved right into the next song. Perfect. I would tell him he did perfect. But now I'm going to God. What happened? God, that was it. What I saw happening should have already happened. God, I felt like we were we obeyed you. Zach did so good to come under my authority and hear what I had to say and say, yes, sir, I'll try that. What happened, God? But sure enough, we started holy, 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 and all heaven broke loose. It broke out like I have never seen it. We had six or seven prophetic words. We had a prophetic tongue and an interpretation. People were here at the altar. We had an offering. We had people throwing stuff on the altar. So much so that I messed it all up. I didn't mess it up. God had a God had a teaching moment that he had to use through me being broken in half. Praise God. If that's what it takes, that's fine with me. But God moved. And what I want to say here is I want to encourage you. What a worship leader wants to do is not blow every whistle and have everything going. He wants to get you going and then back out of the way. Let the church make its noise. Not always from the stage. The stage is just here to get you going. Get the fire going. Keep blowing on it and get that fire going and get out of the way and let God move. And that's what happened. We are not here to control God's presence. We're here to keep throwing fire on it. Keep it coming, God. And you could see. One, one asked on Monday, did we have too many words? No, it says let all prophesy. Let all prophesy. How could we stop God from speaking? It says with a prophetic tongue, let two or at the most three. We had one. We were right within what God says that we can do. And I want to encourage you. You came in and regardless of what's going on on stage, you worshiped. And I believe God sees that heart. And what I was saying with here, with this tabernacle, with the order of the tabernacle, I believe it took a little bit of an alignment between the pastors, for us to have every article in place. Did I control it? No, I didn't control it. I tried. I wanted it to happen at the end of Mighty to Save, and it didn't happen. Praise God, I'm not in control. I don't have to have that pressure on me. We just have to obey. Sometimes we get it. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we feel like a nut. Sometimes we don't. Do you hear me? Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't, but we always obey and we try to position ourselves for his presence to move with power. And I want to encourage you. When you come in here and we're not singing exactly your favorite song, worship. Get your focus right and worship. Even if the pastor's messed up, if you will get on target, God said, Pastor, you're not where you're supposed to be. I don't care. They are. Here I come. You better get on board with me. I'm not saying I wasn't on board. I'm just saying sometimes I'm my mind's racing. Can you imagine what could go? What I can't imagine what goes through your mind with all the stress and stuff going on. I'm telling you, God is faithful. And he doesn't just want us to have one powerful service and then go on the rest of the year. He wants power. 
He loves his church. He died for his church. He has taught us to operate in his power. We should be operating in his power. So, peace. Everybody say peace. Y'all ready for some peace? And I'm not talking about Starbucks. We have peace at Starbucks until I get the bill. Then the peace is gone. $4 water. The cool cup. Cool music. $4. I think I can make my $4 water at home for about 25 cents. People light candles for peace. I was telling it this morning. And let me just say again. The stories I tell, I usually get wrong. Elizabeth tells me, you don't even know what happened. This is what happened. But like I said this morning, I get to tell them. So I talked about a candle that we had lit because we were out of power. And I said the curtain or the drape caught on fire. No, it didn't catch on fire. Well, it helps my story a little bit better if it did catch on fire. (laughs) And when you wake up in the middle of the night and there's a flame about four feet tall, I thought the curtain was on fire. We I beat on the curtain or whatever that is. Yes, we did. I'm sorry. Yes, I did. Maybe I did it in my dream. <laughs> peace, Lord. Give me peace. I didn't even get up. That sounds like me. Huh? Yeah. Starbucks. And I guess in my dream, the house caught on fire and I single-handedly put it out and there wasn't any sign of a fire at all. If you remember anything, then that's, that's what we'll remember. We won't remember what actually happened, but, but anyway, candles there for peace. We woke up with the opposite of peace. But candles many times will give peace. We'll think, we'll give ambiance right people light them for the smell they light them for the feel we lit them for the light woke up to a candle on fire that my wife put out (laughs) is it hot in here is it just me isn't this so strange we got every we got every piece of light that come could come into this place closed off it feels have you noticed? There's no light. It just feels weird. We need a candle. So I can. Anyway, we talk about peace, but we don't have peace. We have stress. We have anxiety. We have tension. And things rob our peace. We know that life is not fair. Life is not live happily ever after and we just ride off into the sunset go stay in cinderella's castle and no 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 problems ever we lose our peace but god has promised peace and he has promised it because it is a fundamental need that we have in our life we need peace god gave us his name jehovah shalom you know when you're in the middle of a storm speak that name Speak that name. That name is power. That name, it was Jesus that came out of the boat and said, peace be still. Speak it. Speak it. There is power. Jesus said, 
over three times in John 20. Peace be with you. And in John chapter 14, verse 27, this is all review. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace of the world, that the peace of the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. It has been given. So if we're Christians, we're spirit-filled, we believe that we're, that we're trying to do everything right, yet we're not living with peace. Why? I believe we don't access the peace. The peace has been given. You know, the blood of Jesus has been given. The cleansing power has been given. Why do we walk around in our sin? Because we don't access the blood. And it's as easy as repenting of your sin. But we'd rather just walk around with it. And we wonder why we live a life full of the absence of peace. Because we are not accessing what God has given us. He's given us peace. Why don't we have it? I started showing you last week that there are three important decisions that you have to make for peace. These will produce peace. And I'm giving them to you ahead of time. Number one, acceptance. The three choices. Number one is acceptance. It's accepting what cannot be changed. The other two are trust and surrender. I'm going to finish up with acceptance today. Acceptance, trust, and surrender. In that order. Accepting what can't be changed. Worrying about what can't be changed does not produce peace. You remember us talking about this last week? Becoming resentful or bitter about what can't be changed will not give you peace. I'm a, I'm a big... Uh, I'm a big golf fan. I like to play and I like to watch it. And, you know, Tiger Woods is starting off today 11 strokes behind. No matter what he does, he can't change the fact that he's 11 strokes behind. If you've gotten a bad report from a doctor, you can't change that report. You may hope that you go to bed and, Lord God, let me wake up in the morning and the report's different. Have you ever gone to bed and you've made a, an F on a test? You pray, Lord God, let me just wake up and it be a 90. I mean, I've prayed something stupid like that before. But that doesn't change. That grade stays the same. I can't change it. So what good do I do worrying about it? If the doctor's giving you a bad report, you're not going to change that report. There has to come a time where you, ex let, me, let me clarify, you do accept where you are, but that report does not define you. We allow these bad things spoken us, spoken over us to define us, to say that's what we are. People will pick up their newspaper and read their horoscope and believe that's exactly what's going to happen to me today. And you know what? When you let satanic powers have power over you, they will take control of you. And if you allow a report that's spoken over you that goes against what God's word says, it will take control over you. Fear will come on you. Dread. And let me tell you, when fear gets on you, it's hard to shake that off. Fear is hard to deal with. It is not to be taken lightly. I don't go by what the doctor says. You know, the doctor will say something, and if I can make adjustments that I can change, sure. Doctor says, your back's hurting, lose some weight. Okay. And it has. It's helped my back. My back pain's not completely gone. But I don't ignore that back pain. I don't say... I, my back's healed. I, that pain I feel is really just not even there. I'm just going to act like it's not even there. No, it's there. And I've had to accept where I am. Do I pray for my back to be healed? Yes. But I don't live in la-la land saying it doesn't really hurt. I'm just, I just don't, I'm, I'm just, do you, do you hear me? 
you get a bad report, we do not, I don't necessarily say, I'm going to live by that report. No, God, we got a test here. It's time I, I put you to the, I put you to work. I can't handle this. It's out of my control. I'm not living by what this doctor said, but I'm going to trust you to get me through it. The test isn't going away. Are you with me? We've got to accept where we are. Amen. The only thing that will bring peace in your life is acceptance, accepting what cannot be changed. Last week, we looked at David and how his son was dying. And he was dying because of his sin, David's sin, right? And he did everything he knew to do. He got on his face, he fasted, he prayed day after day after day. He cried out, he is a man after God's own heart. He is one man that without the blood of Jesus, not having that, he knew how to pursue after God. And the boy still died. Right? Couldn't explain it. I don't know why he didn't. I don't know why he died. You know, you'd say, well, it was because of his sin. Yeah, but David looked like he came clean to him. But the boy still died. But then it said, David, when it was over. He accepted where he was, and he got up and did what? He worshipped. He worshipped and said, I don't know why it happened, but I will see this boy again when I'm in heaven. And I got work to do. Really says a lot. He accepted where he was, and he moved on. We saw last week that first, acceptance is a learned experience. And we learn it from going through tough times. You know, the tough times help you get stronger. They are there to benefit us. We must learn to accept. We must learn to accept in the experience. It is a choice that can only come by the supernatural power of God because your flesh will go just the opposite direction. I had a conversation with a guy this week saying, I don't know how people out there make it without God. I don't either. I don't either. It's hard enough with God to do it without God and with no hope. We learned last week that one of our problems that take peace away from us is the need for an explanation. We need to know why. And I gave you three reasons why explanations don't work. Number one, God doesn't owe you an explanation. You're his creation. He's the creator. He is a good God, a just God, a fair God, a loving God. And he understands things that we don't. Sometimes we just need to say, okay. Do you remember I talked about the sunscreen? And I can explain and explain and explain, but finally it's just, Sarah Beth, you're just going to have to accept it. You are going to have to wear it. Or you can get in the shade and not swim. But you've got to wear it. Well, I don't completely understand it. You know what? You really don't have to understand it. Let me just put it on you and you go have fun. You don't have to worry about the consequences or what's going on. That's what we're here for. God says, let me cover you. And don't worry about everything that's going on. I got you. You couldn't figure it out if I even explained it to you. That's number two. If he did explain why things happened, number one, you wouldn't understand it. Number two, you probably wouldn't agree with it. How many know sometimes you've had people say things over you that you didn't understand or agree with, and then later down the road you saw they knew what they were talking about? That's God. We've been hearing about honor in the last few weeks that God places people over you for you and that they are placed by God. They are um, appointed by God 
as ministers to you for your good and to fight off evil. So that boss that you don't like a bit is put over you for your good to protect you, to position you to be blessed if you'll come under it. You keep fighting it, you're, you're getting outside of that anointing oil again, and it's going to miss you. You get under it, he's going to cover you. Are you with me? But the third reason why explanations don't bring peace is because explanations never satisfy you. Have you ever been told why and you're like, that just made you even more mad? I wish I didn't even know why. What comforts us is the presence of God. The presence of God. Not explanations. Not God's explanations. But God's care and concern and comfort. The classic example of this is Job. If you've ever read Job, um, I'm telling you what, this book seems like a simple book, but I believe, in my opinion, it's one of the most complex books in all of Scripture. When I first started reading the one year, and Justin, you can attest to this, that first year we started reading it, it just about got me depressed. And I'm not a depressive type of person, but I couldn't understand it. Why, God? I mean, I couldn't imagine being Job saying why, but here I am on the outside saying I don't get it. Even to this day, I still, it still goes right over my head. But let's look at Job. Job went through the Super Bowl of suffering. This guy was the wealthiest, wealthiest man that had ever lived. He was a godly man. He was dedicated. He was devout to God. He was devoted to God. And in about a 48-hour time period, lost it all. First, All ten of his kids were murdered. Then he lost his wealth. All his crops were destroyed. His flocks, his herds were destroyed. Then he went bankrupt instantly. He lost everything over overnight. And if that wasn't enough, he got this terrible disease of these open sores and boils where he was in pain 24-7. Can you imagine? If you've read this, he's sitting there, and all of a sudden here comes one report. And then here comes the next report. And when that guy finished talking, here comes the next report. Would you have ever thought, man, somebody locked the doors? Just stop the reports. I can't take one more. Here comes the next one. And you know what he was left with? His wife. Satan knew not to remove the wife. What he did was he removed her support. What did his wife say? Curse God and die. Man, what support? Your wife is telling you, number one, to curse God, but also just go ahead and die. Can you imagine if you can, what, what God, God gives us this word so that we can try to put ourselves in the shoes of him, which is, which is overwhelming. Going through what he's gone through and to see Job. Let's see, let's look at him just for a minute. The most difficult about Job's situation wasn't everything that happened, but that Job didn't have an answer why. Why? You know, things happen in our life, but it's the mental things that seem to seem to kill us. He had no reasons why this had happened. There was no understanding, no hint, no God saying, Job, this is why this is happening. Um, I don't have this on the screen, but we did this this morning. In Job chapter 1, verse 8, if you all got your Bibles, turn with me real, real quick. 
I want you to see what it says here. I would encourage you, bring your Bible. Don't get lazy because I put it on the screen for you. This is a weapon. This is the one thing that you're going to leave here with. Have your Bibles. When I bring up a scripture, turn in yours. Maybe you'll see something from the past that will bring to remembrance victory that you've had in the past and you're ready to take on the next one. How many times have you ever turned to your Bible and you see something that you've walked through in the past and it prepares you for the next thing you're about to go through? Mark up your Bible. Chapter 1, verse 8. Job chapter 1, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? This is God Almighty saying it about this man. God himself is saying, number one, he's pointing out Job to Satan. Satan's looking for somebody, and God says, what about Job? Again, right now it just wants to blow my mind. I don't, I don't understand it. But God says, what about him? He's doing everything right. He loves me. He fears me. He shuns evil. He's upright and blameless. When God says somebody's blameless, listen up. So what is he saying here? Looking back on the story, we can see what was going on because as we read the book of Job, there were so many forces at work that God was allowing a test. Can I say it again? God tests you. God tests you. And I want you to catch something here. Satan is involved. There were all kinds of things that that were going on that Job didn't understand. We can see looking back, but he had no idea in the moment. It didn't make sense. And Job, it's like Job was saying, why is this happening, God? I'm a good guy. And for 37 chapters, God says zero. Nothing. That's, in my opinion, that's why the book of Job is so hard, because you get the story of God and Satan, and then it's torture for 37 chapters. And it's like, Lord God, please let this, let the 37th chapter hurry up, because I'm ready for the victory. But you've got to walk through all that stuff. And Job didn't have encouragement. He had three guys telling him everything he was doing wrong. Can you imagine not only going through that, but having people show up to tell you how you're doing everything wrong? Are you here? Amen. Have you ever been in a crisis where God is silent? This is one of the most difficult things to go through in life. When you come to the point of saying, why God? Why is this happening? It's like heaven is brass, like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and coming back to you. It's like you got your cell phone. And if you've ever driven to, to Asheville, you go through one of those tunnels right through the right through the mountain, and you lose your signal. It's like your car breaks down. Nobody around, you're closed off on both sides, and you got no signal. Have you ever had? You ever been in a situation where you don't have cell service? We like to freak out over that. The whole world's coming to the end, coming to an end. Where 10 years ago, we didn't have cell phones. Somehow we made it. I don't know how we ever made it. How did we ever make it without cell phone? And the new thing, I don't know what it is, but Twitter, whatever. It's all everybody wants to talk about. Shut up about Twitter. I don't want to hear about it anymore. What is it? I don't care. 
Y'all all Twitter, you're probably Twittering while we're in church. Maybe God will Twitter you a little bit. All right. But have you ever been at that point where nothing is happening? You can't get an answer. This was the greatest test of Job's life. It was not only a test of, of his mind, the, his peace of mind, but it was a test of his character. That's what God does is he tests your character. He doesn't just put you through some little busy work test just to take up the time and to fill a, a, a grade book. He tests your character. Who are you? I want to know that when I push this button, you're still going to serve me. Will you serve me? And this is the guy through all this. He, Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. What a statement. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Here's the point. When God is silent, you need acceptance. You remember when you were in school and you would take a test? The teacher is silent. The teacher's silent. There's nothing more she can do for you. She's not going to give you the answer. And when God tests you, he's not always going to give you the answer. He's testing you to see what your answer will be. Do you hear me? When God's going to walk you through a test, see, Job... God needed to leave Job alone. If he had given Job an answer right away, Job would have been able to make it by what God had said. But God needed to test him when he had everything taken away from him. How many knows God knows just how to test you? Let me just give one example. In marriage, God, God gives you somebody that knows just how to push the right button in you. I think marriage is a pursuit of the presence of God. Can we still serve God and be in the same house together? God created marriage, but he made it one big test. Man, if I'm ever going to slip and, and, and mess up when it comes to me and God, it usually happens within my marriage. I'll say things that I didn't even know is in me. God knows how to test us. That's just one area. But a lot of times, God's not going to give you the answer. He wants to find out, what are you made of? That's why we prepare. That's why we need to be filling. That's why today you're here and you need to receive. Don't just take this word and just dismiss it. Let it sink in. So that when God does test you, you have substance. Have you ever gone to take a test where you don't know it at all? You know, I'm dead. I'm dead. I can put C on everything. But what if there's what if it's not a standardized test? I'm dead. But do you know what the feeling is like when you know it? You get this word in you. God's not going to test you in something that you can't pass. He's not setting you up to fail. He's setting you up to succeed. And no matter what you're walking through, no matter what your test is, and no matter how bad it looks or how bad it's been, God's word says, if you will trust me, if you will love me, I will work that terrible thing out that's in your life. Not just work it out and have it out of the way, but I will work it out to your good. It will not just be something that you walk through and you move on. 
but it will benefit you. God doesn't just tear you down. He blesses you. He says, I'm going to set you out here and we're going to go try this. Even if you fall down and you blow it, even if you make an investment, I try to lead you in how you're investing your money. You know, God wants you to make money and God wants you to lead you in how to sow, how to get the food in the ground, how to get the weeds out, how to bring it up with fertilizer and how to have a huge crop. Well, how many of us are farmers? I'm not a farmer. That's my money. That's me. That's me being a good steward over my money. God wants to teach me how to do that. And he says, even if you go out here and you're trying and you're loving me and you're serving me and you make a mistake and you lose everything, forget it. As long as you're with me, I'll, I'll, I'll not just recover that for you. I'll multiply it for you. Now, that's just in, in your money, in your marriage. If you'll seek God, you may, you may have the worst marriage ever. Quit living, in the, quit living in the past and saying, man, my marriage is no good. It's just no good. I'm just nothing. Nope. It's time that you accept you've got a problem with your marriage. We accept it. Now let's pursue God. Let's pursue God together. And let's see this thing turn around. But you're not going to change where, you, where you've come from. Right? We've got to come to a point of acceptance. We've got to come to a point of acceptance. When, you, when God is silent, you need acceptance. Millions of people pray this serenity prayer. I believe that you're going to know this. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Do you all know that? Very well known. Very well known prayer. Um, it's by a man that, by the name of Reinhold uh, Neighbor. And I'm, I'm almost finished here. But there's more to this prayer that doesn't get prayed. There's eight more lines to it. Let's read this one more time. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying the moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is not as I would have it, trusting that you, God, will make all things right if I surrender to your will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. You see, the power is not in those first four lines. The power is in the last eight. Makes a little bit of difference. It's through acceptance, through trust, and through surrender that you find the path to peace. When you are going through something in your life, when you get a bad report from the doctor, maybe you have a handicap, maybe you're battling with something in your health, there comes a time where you've got to accept where you are. You know, we had a child that had to have tubes in her ears, Ruth Ann, our third child. I, I struggled with God. I was like, God, why, why this one? Why? Well, I feel like we pray. I feel like we do everything right. I, I don't do everything right. We mess up all the time. But God, I know you to be a merciful God. Why this child? But I had to come to the point of she's having these ear infections. She's not getting over it. Praise God, doctors have a way of getting us through this without anything major happening. Okay. I can't ignore the fact that she's hurting. And now it's going to risk her hearing. In fact, it did. It made her have all kinds of speech issues that we as parents thought she was so cute and never noticed. Finally, her dad came into town and listened to her, couldn't understand a word she was saying, and said, Elizabeth, 
something's wrong. You don't just say, well, we, we just, we're just in faith to believe that not it's happening. No, it is happening. We need to accept the fact that her ears are in trouble. So what do we do? We pray, we get on our knees, we go to God, and then we go to the doctor. We accept where she is. You know what? She got the tubes put in her ears. We wanted her to be healed. You know what? She is healed. And you know what? Because of, because of what she walked through, she had to go to a speech therapist. It wound up putting her ahead in reading of her entire class. What we couldn't see was that God had a plan from the beginning. And it wasn't to hurt her. It wasn't to set her back. It was to set her ahead. But we felt like she's messed up. She has a speech problem. Everybody's going to be talking about her. Woe is me. No. God says, "Uh uh-uh, I got it. I'm a blesser. You just can't see it. Just trust me. Just trust me. Pray. Give it to me. And I got it. What you're walking through. It's time to accept where you are. Quit lying to yourself about your kids. Quit lying to yourself about the, maybe doctors diagnosed you with cancer. It's okay. It does not define me. This report may show cancer. The next one might not. This report's not changing. This report's not going to mysteriously just show up and it not be there anymore. It's there. It's there to show that God is positioning you to show himself to you. Here it is. Now, believe me, and we're going to take care of it. God is a healer. How many knows that people have gone in and seen tumors, gotten wanting to go do a biopsy, come up here and pray and get anointed, go to do the biopsy, and it's not there? That They still have the report of the, of the tumor in their files, but it's not there. Do you hear me? There comes a time of acceptance. There comes a time of acceptance. Okay, this is where we are. And we're going to see in the next few weeks where we go from here. Acceptance is number one. Then comes trust. Then comes surrender. It's going to be good. The end of it is peace. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up your name. Lord, I thank you that you have given us a way. Lord, you've given us a way into your presence as my mother's book has shown. But Lord, you have given us a way for for victory. We do not have to live a life of downtrodden, beaten down all our life, being depressed and just living in the dump. You did not come and die on the cross for us to live that way. You have came and you have given us a gift of peace and not the peace that is in the world. Not the peace that is in the world. This is a peace that goes beyond all understanding, that surpasses all understanding. Lord, if there are those here that have never accepted you as Jesus, as Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you today just to say this prayer with me, just to say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and you are now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Would you do that today? Would you pray that prayer today? If you are sick or have some type of ailment that you want to be prayed for, I want you to know we're not ignoring the fact that maybe a doctor has said something over you, but what we are going to accept is that God is a healer and that we're going to go to his word. And we are going to find not only peace, but we're going to find power. 
when we go to his word. God says that he is Jehovah Rophi. I am the Lord, your healer. And it also says in his scripture that he never changes. God is still as much a healer today as he was in the day of Moses. Would you step out today for healing? Would y'all stand with me, please? And those that are ministering, come on down and just want to ask you step out in faith this morning god is here and he is ready to save he is ready to heal amen let's see